and welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we have a craft and a crime. Whoop. So, um, what? Oh, we were just talking about dinner because. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hungry. I didn't eat lunch. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, I had like, a, I had. When I, so I got up and I had breakfast and it was so good. And then I immediately regretted it like so yeah. quickly. And it was a bummer, but it was still really good. And I have to free. It was beef barley stew and I had it for breakfast, but who mm. cares? I had um, a piece of toast and a string cheese. It's not bad. It's a grain and a dairy. <laughs> and it's like almost three o'clock. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, I, it's, my doctor was like, make sure you eat when you, I take Wellbutrin and you know that, but yeah, he was like, make sure you eat when you take it because it's been making me like all cracked out. Uh-huh. It's pretty new. It's barely been over a month. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty normal. So now I like, hey. it's not healthy kids. I know, but I just don't eat breakfast. It I feels don't terrible either. to get up and then immediately make my gut start working. Uh-huh. But we have stomach issues. Yeah. So that's pretty much like my body's tired. I can't immediately get up and put food in it. Mm-hmm. Look what I did. And I was like, Burr. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll I know, just take me. it on an empty stomach thing because I feel so sick. Yeah, I um usually don't eat until like 11 or so. I have like mm-hmm. a cup of coffee when I wake up and the caffeine, I think, just makes me not hungry. But then yeah, it's an it's appetite like, suppressant. we were talking about that um, the other day where I'm like, lately my go-to is not breakfast food. I just heat up leftovers. <laughs> That's literally what I did. And I'm like, yeah. you know, it's funny because you realize that um hilariously enough the united states is like one of the only places that like heavily relies on foods that are like these are only for breakfast and you're like what yeah cereal and like even pop tarts garbage is fortified (laughs) you know so it's like the things they push on us it's like no you can't eat that chocolate cake for breakfast but here's these pancakes covered in butter and whipped cream and sugar those ladies that i watch on youtube and like Mm -hmm. what i know a couple of them are in korea Mm -hmm. and eggs um, and kimchi (laughs) yeah and they'll have like hot foods like what you would have for lunch or dinner as Mm -hmm. breakfast i'm like that's how it probably should be you know get your vegetables and your not wake up with pure sugar yeah that kind of crap but and and even so like what i ate was grains vegetables and a protein yeah and that's probably why my body's like, why you do this to me? I've only had um, cheese and bread. Oh. Yeah. So What are you having for dinner today? I'm doing that pork katsu with oh, the yeah. Brussels sprouts and potatoes. Yummy. Sorry if this is making anyone hungry. <laughs> yeah, am, we had bought. I plan our meals by the weather. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like yesterday we did spaghetti because it was all rainy. But um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I had bought a big giant pork um it's not a tenderloin it's like a pork loin and jack cut them up into pork chops because it was way cheaper than buying pre-cut yeah. pork chops and so we have a good Isn't knife and crazy? so it's just, yeah and so he divvied it up and i think it made like three bags worth so there's mm-hmm. like eight pork chops in each bag because there's six of us and you nice. know so you need two extra because someone always wants leftovers leftovers yeah sandwich the next day so um so yeah, we're doing that, and then I don't know what we're doing for dinner tomorrow because tomorrow is Jack's birthday, oh, and um, that's right. Yeah, and I think he's going out with the guys. So like for dinner, I don't know, or drinks. I thought he was going out Saturday. No, no, he was going out Friday night with. Oh, okay. With the guys, I don't remember. That was right because he got an accidental day off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he accidentally got the day <laughs> off because uh, miscommunication yeah. and his supervisor. Oh darn! Was twist like, my arm and stay home <laughs> and on his my birthday. Was like, oh, I. I didn't schedule you for Friday. And he was like, huh? Like, I said Saturday. It's going to rain anyway tomorrow, too. I think it's supposed to rain Saturday. It's pretty much, it was like yesterday, not today, Friday, Saturday, not Sunday. Yeah. It's whatever. It's rainy weather, and I love it. I do, too. It's like soup. Soup soup season. Yeah. I might make um, some bean soup, some Italian bean soup. But, um, yeah, I know Jack wanted me to... um, uh tempura fry some shrimp so he could do shrimp tacos because i am actually pretty good at tempura frying stuff i um you know there's six of us in our family and so it's really expensive to go out to sushi and Mm -hmm. so i just learned how to make sushi rice and i buy the nori and you know Mm -hmm. the cucumbers and the avocado and all of all of the stuff you want to put in and um my kids like shrimp and so i bought a ton of tempura batter and um it was like I, a case, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was like, whoa, I didn't know it was this much. Yeah. It was like 16 boxes or something like that. Uh-huh. But we go through one box 
because one box will do two pounds of food. So mm-hmm. usually it's like a pound of shrimp and a pound of like uh, sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so we usually go through the whole box. But yeah. um, but yeah, so I, it's a kind of a process. It's not it's so messy, too, because <laughs> yeah. it's so drippy and liquidy and, you know, and frying. and <laughs> But it's so good. Yeah. So good. I mean, we haven't made sushi in a little while, but that was like our thing more so in the summer. Because then mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. have you come over. I'm like, you want some sushi? We'd share sushi. Before we record. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd eat our sushi lunch. Yeah. Leftover sushi. And then we would Aww. record. I got to do that again. And now it's the male season. I know. I was just telling Lenore that. And she was all, please, I want to eat the tamales every day. And I was like, I know me too. I still have some in my freezer, but I think they're all the dessert ones. My, I think mine are too. We probably shouldn't just, we shouldn't do those. We should put our effort into no, the meat No, just ones. the meat ones. That's what everybody wants is the, yeah. we do, um... What one is pork and then the other is beef. Yeah, you know what though? I loved. I wanted more filling, but I did love the green chili and cheese ones. Like just as a snack. Yeah. So like I wouldn't mind, but I know you didn't like them. Do you remember if your kids liked them? Um, or I Jack? don't remember. Jack likes them. I don't think. I don't think Lenore did. Or I don't. Yeah, but I liked them. Yeah, I got one on accident, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I didn't want this. I one, think they just need but... like way more. I'm like they need more cheese, cheese, and more chili. Ugh. To make Not it, my thing. To make it full. Yeah, but we make our own. Um, we go mm-hmm. to the store and buy the pre-made masa. I have stuff to... I have that bag of, you know, the... the You just add in the lard and all that. Yeah. And I could make... We could make our own, but it's so inexpensive <clears throat> to just get that big giant bag of masa. Yeah. Um, Especially if they fuck up. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Remember my that? snort. Whole- Sorry. <laughs> so last year... <laughs> last year, it was so different because, like... We spread it out over two days, right? Yeah, did we did. We? we did the meat one day, and then we did all the sweet stuff the next day. Really, we did. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, because it was too much to do in one day. Yeah. And so I have a huge dining room table that seats like ten people, and mm-hmm. so we just set up across from each other, and we just turn on TV, and and um, we had the lineup in the center, and yeah. So I had Sorry, ordered. I forgot, I got excited because <laughs> you got like the husks the corn husks and the um one of the meats i think and yeah then i got the pork oh god <laughs> remember it was a whole yes. giant thigh pig cankle leg. it was a whole pig leg yeah a whole pig leg yeah like what would like be a real turned into leg. a ham yeah did it have the hairy skin still on it yes yeah okay i couldn't remember and yeah our local market is amazing i love it because it's like yeah. an og but i was Mexican like that's not what i store. ordered no it was crazy but it worked out okay for us yeah <laughs> it was a lot of pork and um and a lot of masa and I we still had it. to get more didn't we we did yeah it was like that's why we did it in two days because we had to order more wasn't it like a 25 pound it was and I then like we a went 30 like, pound it was like 60 pounds it's all it's a lot hustled of yeah it was worth it and we had two what else are we doing we had two pots going on the stove we had my big giant canning pot mm-hmm. and then your big steamer pot which isn't even that big and kurt and i are thinking about getting another one uh-huh. because we love doing um we do low country boils for a lot of like holidays or That's new so years because it's it's relatively cheap you get like little tiny potatoes if you like mushrooms you can use it whole and then the people that don't like them just don't pick those out it mm-hmm. doesn't add a flavor you can't tell yeah red potatoes work the best little baby red ones the yellow ones are good too but they like mush apart yeah you literally yeah. take a onion quarter it toss the whole thing in yeah like we 20 lemon for new year's didn't we mm-hmm. yeah tons of kielbasa sausage hot links you literally throw everything in yeah. it's all time management but if you do it right the thing that takes the longest is getting it to come up to temperature but yeah. kurt wants to get the full like riser the big- with the propane for mm-hmm. like um he we don't want to deep fry chickens it's it, turkeys that's scary but yeah. Um, it's the same setup to do like a big boil because that's what takes the longest is yeah. getting the water to come to a freaking boil. And the best part is you stop the cooking process by either throwing in your frozen shrimp or your frozen corn. It hmm. cools it all down and then you let it soak and it absorbs all the spicy flavor and you can make yeah. it as hot as you want or not. And it's just gorgeous and you just have butter and you're mm. done. And it's amazing. We do that again and this year. <laughs> I think we will. We probably yeah. will. We always do. And it's fun because everybody can be like, I got this and I got this Uh part and I got this part and you can make it so cheap and feed so many people. Yeah. The best part is if you like lay out the table, like if it was your table, Uh we laid out like a bunch of parchment sheets and then newspaper and then just dump the whole thing out and then all the cats hop on the table. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we're coming up on it. And that's what I, Lenore just was talking about um, the malice yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, 
we can do a smaller batch. I know we always say that and it never is. It's like, okay. Let's just not do the dessert ones because that was a lot. It was a lot. And then they don't really get I don't even think. No. We did that that one year with the chocolate cherry. Yeah. And we did caramel apple again. It's like, yeah. Yeah, It's fine. It's it's because it's sweet and mm-hmm. it, so it's a treat but you don't think of it when you're like oh i want something sweet and yeah. then like in my the house, masa it, isn't it's it's barely you add a little bit of powdered sugar to it but yeah. it's not really sweetened yeah so i don't know the yeah we'll nah. do tamales but on a smaller we'll do, scale maybe just do I like think we should still totally do the ones where we added this the red sauce to the masa so we had red and red yeah so we, we did like red and pork red and beef and then the plain masa and beef and the plain masa yeah. and pork yeah uh, we don't even eat pork, but I will risk it. It's so good. I just, I'll deal we with do. it. We do. We're literally having pork yeah. tonight. It just kills us. It hurts our yeah. stomachs so bad. It, it's like impossible. Yeah. So 10 minutes of that. food. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost Christmas. It's almost it Thanksgiving for us here when we're recording. Yes. It's next week. And then when this is releasing, it's like almost Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, New Year's. And it's if, two weeks before Christmas. Seriously. And if we don't will. start like planning and buying this food ahead of time, like mm-hmm. well we thankfully we already have our turkeys but yeah. next is like i gotta get the ham the christmas mm-hmm. ham because we always do turkey oh, yeah. on thanksgiving and then christmas day we do ham um but yeah troy doesn't really like ham so we might do turkey again i, I don't know one little but i really like ham <laughs> yeah i pretty much the only time i will eat ham um not even like lunch meat mm-hmm. i will eat no you know what i take it back i take it back the singular times i will eat ham is on the occasions that we get jersey mics oh yeah. jersey mics subs they're amazing they're expensive yeah that's because they <laughs> like yeah they seriously cut like the meat and the, they mm-hmm. cut the cheese in front of you uh-huh. and um and they're delicious but they're really expensive so we don't get them a lot but the one i like to get has ham on it but anyway yeah, yeah. easter christmas that's pretty much about it and i'll get like one good slice and mm-hmm. i'm good well what we'll do instead of like Jersey Mike's or Subway or what Quiznos or whatever yeah. is um, we'll buy the um, French loaf bread Heck yeah. and then we just make it a huge you can buy them like that at Staters and so we mm-hmm. just make a huge um, sandwich and then just cut it up and here it's you go perfect. and yeah because exactly. there's six of us yeah <laughs> and seriously the only thing that Jersey Mike's does that's like anything different is unlike Subway they they do the oil and bread wine vinegar um, but uh jersey mike's has like a a shaker like a spice shaker and it's full of italian herbs mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good you can buy like but the sub sauce the deli yeah. sub yes so- and we've like, used dressing it stuff yeah my we've mom bought it, it one time what well, i think like lily was a baby baby mm-hmm. and she came over and she was like i just got stuff to make sandwiches i'm like yeah. yes i love so, sandwiches it's yeah. hilarious too because lenore like that's her comfort food her mom like mom i don't feel good is a turkey sandwich yeah she could eat one every single day that's like i probably can too i could <laughs> It's just yeah. so easy and like, oh, I could eat this. I know. And I made, um, I had an abundance of eggs because um, <laughs> I have a lot of chickens that are laying. And so yeah. I had to hard boil a bunch. So I did <laughs> one container that's just regular hard boiled eggs to like, you know, eat with your breakfast or as a snack. Mm-hmm. Then I did um, egg salad. So mm-hmm. I had an egg salad sandwich like yesterday. But then today I went to go have one, but I don't have the white bread. And it's not the same on oh. like the honey wheat bread. It's not. It's not. And so I that's why i didn't eat because i was like i don't have white bread and then i did um another container of deviled eggs Mm -hmm. but all the the filling stuff is in a baggie so So i can can make them as i as i want them so they don't dry out like yeah that's awesome yeah so well today is grilled cheese sandwich and tomato basil soup night Mm. um but i have an entire loaf of wonder bread that i haven't used yet so when i'm done you can have it because we eat like sourdough the the rest of the time yeah i literally bought it just for the grilled cheese Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to business. Okay. Okay. So you're first. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of eggs. (laughs) What? (laughs) The most fragile of things. A box without hinges, key, or lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid. Is it a Fabergé egg? <laughs> the answer is just eggs. An oh, egg eggs. in general. <laughs> so that is for like the mega nerds that um, riddle. I don't actually know if J.R.R. Tolkien wrote that riddle, but it's in The Hobbit. Okay. And um, so it's just egg crafts in general. Oh. I just, because it's been, it's funny because it's something that has, it is an ancient practice. I only know a couple. 
Yeah. Maybe so not even a couple, maybe just one. I have a few little differences. It's not a super long thing, but I picked up some fun little things. And so decorating eggs is, if, funnily enough, one of the oldest traditional arts. Mm-hmm. As people, we have done it pretty much throughout history. And the earliest findings was um, an archaeological team led by Pierre-Jean Texier. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny because this is so recent in 2010, oh. not that long ago. Yeah. This um, amazing trove of decorated fragments of ostrich egg shells were found in Africa in the Howison Port Shelter. That's the name of this area. Mm-hmm. And all of these patterns could be actually lined up to match so he was able to find these fragments and line them up and they were all very similar just kind of hilarious as um, the episode you did last time is glass etching uh-huh. it's just the very fine beginnings of the eggshell is etched through oh, into just okay. lines dots um these it, it's patterns they weren't actually sure 100 percent why they were um, decorated in this way but what they think it was it was um, like certain owners mm-hmm. certain families had a certain etched pattern and so these giant ostrich eggs in case anybody doesn't know an ostrich egg I think weighs like four pounds mm-hmm. and one of them is the equivalent to like a dozen um, large chicken eggs and the mm-hmm. shells are really really hard to break through yeah. so currently in the um I just thought about something. What? what would be really pretty to carve into is an emu egg. Oh my gosh, all teal. Yeah, like that teal blue. I'm. Uh-huh. You probably totally, probably totally, probably yeah, for totally sure. for sure. You totally <laughs> could for sure. So when all of the pieces were collected, um, Pierre Jean pretty much figured that there had to have been at least twenty five of full ostrich eggs in total throughout these fragments and they were dated to be about 65,000 to 55,000 years old and they were actually most likely used to hold water which is actually still a way that they use it in the Kalahari desert now oh they take these giant eggs because they're so durable Mm -hmm. and it's like a bowl uh uh-huh um the term that I'll use a couple times is when you blow out an egg is you poke a hole in the top poke a Mm -hmm. hole in the bottom and you and you blow out all the liquid and I mean, if you want your spit germs in it, you could still use it. Yeah. <laughs> but and so then they would probably plug up the bottom with wax or clay uh-huh. or any anything. Um, and they would use a cork or just like a mushed up piece of leather and jam it down into the hole. And there you got a little water. Vessel. Yeah. So they're pretty sure that that was what this was used for because there weren't enough um, other th- items in this cave to be to signify that it was like for ritualistic purposes uh-huh. or um, religious um, religious things and some of these eggs which is really fun because this goes back to like my pigments um, segments which some of these eggs were found to be rubbed with different kinds of pigments to highlight the white underneath because mm-hmm. an ostrich egg is a creamish off-white ecru beige-ish you know it's not mm-hmm. super brightly colored it's all a shade of white yeah and over time um a lot of really amazing things happened to these different fragments of eggshells that are found, which was like the pigments oxidized. So mm-hmm. they had, you know, reds and ochres. And um, what is one of the things that's really special about them is that because they could be etched in such a way and they're a natural material, every single one is going to end up turning into these, these crazy varying shades that couldn't be replicated. In, yeah current times because uh-huh. also erosion and all these things are mm-hmm. going to sweep certain minerals and calciums and all that thing all that thing and all <laughs> of those similar mm-hmm. things away and I just I'm like nature's so magic yeah so and it's crazy to uh, a 65,000 year old yeah. egg that's what I was like I'm what like, damn that's a dinosaur <laughs> how is it bird. even like full <laughs> yeah yeah it's so hard because there's so many pictures in these that are beautiful because I'm just thinking like you know we put eggshells in our compost and they break down yeah. How are these still like? I think because probably the cave situation is yeah, dark, true. ideal, um, humid enough to keep it from becoming too dried out. I'm yeah. guessing that's probably how. 
But um, I've also seen people try to hammer open an ostrich egg and it takes like a couple blows. Of yeah, a hammer true. Too. So maybe that's why. But under ideal situations, I think that's why this is so recent. Uh-huh. I mean, 13 years ago doesn't may not seem recent, but that's recent within science and yeah, yeah, history. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, 65,000 years old, 13 years is like a drop. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so from ancient times to now. Eggs have always been used for altars, for religious ceremonies and celebrations. And nearly every society has an egg for something special because it it brings life. Life pops out of a rock. (laughs) You know, it's pretty magical. So... I'm, I've got a few little countries here. Like we've said before, I can't do every single one. Yeah. But our sources will have like one of them will have a list of like 20 separate countries. And, you know, we will always encourage you to look at them because it's fun. And mm-hmm. because I can't, I mean, I could, but I'm yeah, not going to upload 20 pictures to Instagram. It's a lot. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the coolest like all of these are beautiful in their own way but a super cool easter egg um in uh, a ukrainian style is so amazing and beautiful and they use a stylus or a um it's like a like a piping bag basically for wax and they would use the stylus to dip and cover up spots of the egg and then they would dip that down into the dye, lift it up, scrape it off, do it again. And they would layer up multiple colors over and over and over. And these designs are so beautiful. And some of them are were actually predate Christianity from the Zoroastrian people, which mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of them don't. It's such a small demographic of these these people that originate I believe it's like Eurasia Persia uh-huh. and I'm almost positive Freddie Mercury was a Zoroastrian it's like a very specific religion but mm. also a sect of people okay oops sorry about my mic I know my mic is being <clears throat> really weird it almost fell on me oh no and in Belgium in the same way they use like again we've talked about this before and it's something we mentioned we would want to do and I even thought about waiting until Easter for this episode but it just like hit me and I was like yeah. oh, no I want to do it so we'll maybe try some of these and yeah. we'll do these for Easter so in Belgium they use um, onion skins and depending yes. on how long they boil mm-hmm. the different onion skins they can get every shade of red yellow orange to pink and purple mm-hmm. and blue um if they use purple onions, I'm not sure if they have them there, but onion yeah. skins can every color of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And so they would paste on um, foliage leaves mm-hmm. over it and then they dunk it in and they will remove it, let it dry, and then they peel it off. And this is super common. And this is ha- the tradition. This is of almost like glass Belgium. etching, like where it's you put something on where you don't want the color to be the, or you don't want they call it some, resist yeah and then yeah so even when we were kids we would do it we would take a white crayon yes on a piece of paper and you would color it and it was magic and then you'd have it. someone like watercolor over yeah. it and it was the picture we need to do that for christmas <laughs> i just thought of that for the kids That'd be uh-huh. super cute. so in france they are very, very French and romantic, and their Easter eggs tend to be dyed more naturally as well, mm-hmm. but they also like to write beautiful scriptures fall around the eggs in decorative handwriting, so mm-hmm. they're still very pretty and delicate, mm-hmm. even though eggs always are anyway. In Greece and Italy, eggs are dyed super, super dark but still bright, very vibrant mm-hmm. red, symbolizing the blood of Christ, and Um, I didn't want to butcher this word, but there is a type of um, sweet yeasted bread in Greece and they braid it into a large loaf and in between the braids are little pieces, little pieces, Mm -hmm. little red eggs. Uh And I do believe the eggs signify like the three days before Christ Mm -hmm. came out um, and... Uh, for Easter. Mm-hmm. I, I believe Oops. that's what it is. Man, I keep hitting Mex- my I do too. <laughs> Mexico has something that they called cascarones. 
And those are blown out emptied eggs that are filled with confetti. <laughs> and so they'll like do the same thing, just a piece of tape. Uh-huh. You know, um, back in the day, it would have been a resin or glue or whatever. And confetti, the other craft scribbles. <laughs> oh Seriously, yeah. <laughs> I end up with it over my all over my house yeah, because I balloons. always end up with those balloons that have confetti in them, and I uh-huh. love them. But one of them always pops. Yeah. And both of us had one pop right in our face. Yep. <laughs> and I'm still finding confetti on the floor. <laughs> it's all staticky. Yeah. So um, they believe that the cascarones are good luck if you crack. I don't know if they mean like literally bash them on the head with it or you just crack it over their head and let the confetti fall. But occasionally, I mean, they must have been some big eggs. I'm not sure. But they said sometimes they're like a tiny mini piñata and have like a little tiny candy or something. I'm thinking they probably put like a little note or something. It's like, how would you crack the whole bottom off and tape it back on? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Glue it. (laughs) Yeah. So in China, the color red symbolizes um, luck and mm-hmm. all things pros- prosperous. Mm-hmm. And so their eggs are also dyed um, beautiful shades of red. In Japan, they um, do a little bit of a more intricate craft that has been done since the ancient times when we originally started talking about paper. Uh-huh. It all comes back. So they like to decorate um, from to current times now. And if you go online and you look it up, there will be really beautiful watercolored eggs, but washi tape eggs. Mm-hmm. So they would take this paper and it was um, pretty fibrous, but they were, would dampen it and wet it. And it was almost like a temporary tattoo. Mm-hmm. And they would wrap it around and fix it and they could um, peel it off and the design would be left. Or they would like decoupage the egg with the washi tape. Mm. And so it would be a varnished egg that was up all the time. Oh, And so they would symbolize, um, you know, beautiful things for mm-hmm. Easter, pastels and... Um, yeah, so just like little cutie pictures. And so this comes to what you had first mentioned. Like I did with my miniatures, I gave everybody an example of a famous person. And I'm going to talk about Gustave Fabergé. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Gustave Fabergé made the house of Fabergé in 1842 in St. Petersburg, Russia. And they were just a jewelry a jewelry maker. Mm-hmm. They weren't famous. They weren't. They were just popular for the wealthy, but mm-hmm. they weren't super well known. And then when Gustave Fabergé passed away, his son Peter Carl Fabergé had been requested by Alexander the Third, his brother, to make the Tsarina, which was the emperor's wife, uh-huh. to make her a decorative egg because her husband Alexander the Third, the emperor would gift her for Easter, uh, I'm guessing probably an ostrich egg or a chicken egg or something, uh-huh. but highly decorated, gilded and mm-hmm. bejeweled and stuff. And he's like, let's step this up uh-huh. and make something more amazing. Because, you know, the emperor's running the world, so someone else is getting the presents yeah. made for the wife. Yeah. So <laughs> Peter made this amazing egg and again like I can't name all of them there are so many you have to just go look they're Mm -hmm. they're gorgeous but there was a requirement because the Zarina loved them so much she was like hey guess what you now work for us Uh and so he became um just a special goldsmith specifically to the imperial crown so that would be the court and one of his requests was that just keep making these eggs yeah but each of them had to be different yeah every single one had to be different it had to be unique and it had to contain a surprise so there Mm. hadn't had to be a hidden element Mm. to them because at the time there was an egg that was made i'm so sorry i fudged that i was literally finishing this before we recorded (laughs) (laughs) so um the, the it was not a hundred percent a wholly original idea there had Mm -hmm. been an egg before um but i do believe it was not an enameled metaled bejeweled egg i think Uh it was an original and when they would open it up it was had like a tiny 24 karat gilded crown with like a chicken it was really fancy and so they needed something better than that Uh so he ended up making um 50 they made they commissioned 50 of these imperial eggs as they're called and they were given to the tsarina and other people in the court for all kinds of things a baby a holiday but they had to be kept within the court it was Mm -hmm. like a bragging thing because um at the again i could not i couldn't do the conversion for this it's too hard but one of the costs of the eggs in i mean when he started this um when gustav started in 1842 so when Peter started making the eggs, it was at the like the mid to end of the 
18th century. Yeah. And so I couldn't figure out the conversion of ruples, mm. but it was like in the 4,000s. So I'm like, these are expensive. Yeah. From what conversions we know through like pounds and even American money, pretty much everything seems to be about like quadruple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that ruples were a lot less than. So yeah, there's no way I can figure it out, but it was a lot. And it mm-hmm. may have even been in the 44,000, wow. which sounds like it probably would make more, yeah. make more make sense. Make more sense, yeah. But we were talking this entire metal egg is the size of an ostrich egg it's a full size of a hand and it's covered in diamonds and rubies and emeralds and Mm -hmm. solid gold we're not fudging around with paper mache here yeah in the end um there were thought to be approximately 69 total eggs made for the crown and only 57 of them have survived today and they are all in museums oh wow so um with one of the articles that I have is a list with like a little table, who it was gifted to, where it's at now, oh, really? what year it was well, that's made. Cool. Yeah, and their picture of each of them. One of them is, and so all of them, the thing that I love is you, it's like you look at these art pieces and to know that they're like an idea from the 1800s, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just so beautiful. And I need, you got to understand, not everything was like an egg. So it was a concept of an egg. So one of them was this like gilded carriage in the shape of an egg that's being pulled by a cherub and they're all gold uh-huh. and there's something inside. And oh, so like, cool. it's not all just an egg. An shape. egg, yeah. yeah. And so they're really, one of them I think is like a pillow shape and oh, that's cool. they're so cool. They're really yeah. cool. And then like now the company still exists and they make like baby versions of those things, which is more like enamel, Swarovski crystals, uh-huh. you know, 14 karat gold plated. It's not that they're not fancy and still expensive and limited edition. The uh-huh. company still exists, but not like that. I don't, I'm uh, honestly, I meant to check if they're even a thing that has continued to be made by the mm. house of Fabergé. <laughs> that is so cool but though. I know. I, like, I want a music box egg. Yeah, I so Fabergé egg. I have a question for you. So it always says like there's like a Fabergé egg. You got to treat it like a Fabergé egg. Like it's mm-hmm. so delicate. Are yeah. they really that delicate, or is it just like I don't think because so. I mean, they're, they're solid. They're you said like, solid gold and and which would be fragile. Stuff. But the way that they're like gilded in place, think of like um Cause a always, ring setting. You know? Yeah, I always thought a Fabergé egg is like it's all glass and breakable and like it's not you know or super delicate. But it's the price, not yeah. The, it's like if you drop it, you're gonna lose a diamond. <laughs> yeah. Not like a Swarovski crystal is gonna pop. True. Off, yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, let's see. Fabergé.com. Welcome to the world of Fabergé. Festive favorites. So it's like, oh, there's a teeny tiny little Fabergé necklace. It's an egg. And it is turquoise in gold with diamonds. Oh, cute. And inside is a little, I don't know, it looks like butt cheeks. (laughs) But I'm thinking it's probably like a, so they make jewelry. Oh, let's see how much that egg is. So they do still make stuff. What? It's only six thousand dollars. Holy hell! For for the necklace? and this one doesn't even open for a necklace. Yes, six thousand wow. dollars. Um, it's the rose name. gold diamond. Yeah, because there's like a big diamond on top, and then at each of the little swirly decorative ornate pieces, it's a diamond. And this one doesn't even open. The one I was looking at before, it yeah, popped I saw open. That. How much is that one? <laughs> I don't know jewelry it's like hard i'm like i'm not want to take forever but i'm like what is i'm it's always that was from the heritage collection from the emotion collective collection oh my gosh emotion white gold diamond egg pendant eighteen thousand five hundred dollars <gasps> emotion yellow gold mul- what? oh my god okay i don't mean to yuck someone else's yum but this is almost forty two thousand dollars <laughs> It looks like a kid's craft. It looks like one of those like nerds gummy candies that like got mushed in the side of the car. <laughs> it seriously yeah. just looks like it's a it's a egg shaped covered in rubies, emeralds, sapphires, and yeah, it's crafting sprinkles. Eighteen, <laughs> yeah, eighteen karat yellow gold with black rhodium. Okay, so that's like a boo boo black. I love rhodium because I love black, but uh-huh. that's still like a boo boo like off <laughs> uh let's oh see gosh. 73 white round diamonds um wow. almost two carats of rubies uh 
three carats of emeralds. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. That is I get so it. crazy. People but, like what they like, but I'm like, holy But moly. like I was saying, I think it's the name. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's old the name. and it's been around forever. Yeah. So, oh, my husband got me a Fabergé egg necklace. It was only $42,000. Look at this $51,000 monstrosity. Ew. It looks <laughs> like bedazzled lips. It does. Or like a brain. It's yeah. like a, or a tongue. I like actually that. have a brain ring that's probably about this big. Wow. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it all started super, with eggs. Super funny. Oh, my God. The, oh, crap. I missed it. This one was so expensive. You could only see the price after you filled out the application. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, what? What? It's a 51 <laughs> carat tourmaline ring with diamonds and green sapphires. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Price on application. On application. Let me see if I it means click it's it. It's out of anyone's tax bracket. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Beyonce could buy it. Yeah. Okay. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Wow. That was good. I, I know um, there was, well... <laughs> As you know, with our chickens, we don't need to dye eggs for Easter oh. because they come out dyed. Yeah. We have to do like the opposite. I know. We have to think of color theory. We could do the wax and then has to be dyed with something that matches brown. Well, it's hard because like mine, I have blue, cream, and brown, and I'm probably going to get green f from some of those. Oh, I know. Um, Marla, the frizzle, should like a greenish like because of... Probably a pale green because Miss mm -hmm. Frizzle lays like pale like like just a pale cream color pale creamish yeah. and um and then the americana fluffy cheeks the dad he oh my god he's so crazy looking seeing him up close yeah um he's so cool he's so pretty uh he's like a wicked mullet uh -huh. <laughs> i, I call love him it rick james <laughs> <laughs> but no he's really really so handsome for a rooster and um and so he's the dad of all of these and mm -hmm. so they should technically all have the blue green gene in them mm -hmm. so yeah that'll yeah be cute. i'm i'm wait. excited i'm excited so that'll yeah so what we don't need to die but die we don't need to <laughs> die our eggs um but with the cream and the blue we technically can because we could yeah like you said yeah. with color theory come up so it's like emerald green you know mm -hmm. but i've always wanted to do like the onion skin or the marigolds or yeah um, it's crazy the colors that you'll get out because sometimes it's not what you would think. Like an like we're talking a brown and yellow onion will make uh -huh. purple yeah. and red, and then a, a purple onion makes blue actually, not yeah. purple, because purple doesn't or exist beets. a lot. Yeah, you use beets, you mm -hmm. can get purple, purple red. It's more red, red. pink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So wow, that was interesting. Fun. Okay, well I'm gonna bring it on down, <clears throat> and um, so my case. I kind of went back and forth. I had a few different cases that I was thinking of doing because, um, you know, it is Christmas time. And like we said, we are going to lighten it up for the rest of the year. So it's um, this is technically kind of the last like bring it on down of the year. Yeah. Um, but um, this is the case of the Ortega family. So in Covina, California, um, this is about 22 miles or like 35 kilometers uh, away kilometers, <laughs> kilometers. Say kilometers kilometers <laughs> kilometers kilometers okay. away from la so most people in the world know where la is you know in california so this is covina so it's a little it's pretty close they have ikea um <laughs> but this is in covina and so this takes place on christmas eve uh Joseph and Alice Ortega are hosting a party, Christmas Eve party. Mm. Joseph was known as Papa Joe, oh. and he is the son of Mexican immigrants, and he was actually the first of his family to be born in the United States. Oh. So he was born here. Fun. Um, he had a very successful industrial paint business, and so he had, like, retired, and they were just enjoying retirement. You know, he, um, I believe him, him his son kind of took over and continued to do the paint business. Mm -hmm. Um. Joseph and Alice were married for 53 years. Oh, wow. And every Christmas Eve, they hosted the family Christmas Eve celebration. <laughs> I know my mom does the same thing. And then we do Christmas Day. Uh, family members would show up during the day, and then they would just basically, like, hang out throughout the day. And then mm -hmm. they would all have the big Christmas Eve dinner together. Fun. So Joseph and Alice had five grown children. 
The oldest two boys were James and Charles. The three younger sisters were Letitia, Alicia, and Sylvia. And so they were all there for Christmas Eve celebration with their families. So, you know, husbands and kids and all of that. And it was like late, really, it was getting late in the night and they were actually playing Texas Hold'em. And now, like, my family plays games on Christmas Eve, but not, like, poker. (laughs) You know? I remember, like, playing spoons. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um... We would do, you know, guessing games or whatever. But yes, they were playing poker. Um, So it's getting late. And there is a knock on the door. So Letitia's eight-year-old daughter, Katrina, runs to the door to answer it. Standing at the door was Santa. Yay! Immediately, (laughs) this person dressed as Santa opens fire on the family. Oh, no, not yay. So 911 calls, of course, start pouring in. The initial reports that were coming in were of an explosion and a fire. Oh. So firefighters and police show up. There's a lot going on. You know, all these sirens, all these people. There's a huge fire. The house is engulfed in flames. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this all just happens real fast. Um, So the priority, of course, was to put out the fire and look for anyone that might be trapped inside. There were 25 people at this party. 16 people were accounted for and nine were missing. Joseph and Alice were among those that were missing. Oh, no. The only sibling that was accounted for was Letitia. Her and her husband, along with their eight-year-old daughter, climbed the fence into the neighbor's backyard and the neighbor helped call 911. Mm. So multiple family members were actually injured due to being shot at or injured trying to flee. A 16-year-old was shot in the back. A 20-year-old woman broke her ankle jumping out of a second-story window. And so at this time, Letitia leaves the hosp- for the hospital with her daughter, who was the one who opened the door and was shot. Mm. And that is when police are trying to... They start to get more of a clear idea of what happened that night. So with all of the chaos at the scene, it's really hard for them to, like get a clear idea because everyone had a little bit of a different story and there's a lot of people think about it there's 19 people out there um so or uh 16 people not 19 16 people were out there that were accounted for so um they also didn't know where this killer was was he on the loose was he in the house Mm -hmm. like what happened how many freaking people are dressed like santa claus right now yes it's christmas eve late christmas eve yeah so during this time, firefighters are still trying to put out this fire. It is so bad. It actually took over 80 firefighters over an hour and a half to put out the fire. That's how wow. bad this was. Was so, it a big house? It was like a two-story house. Mm-hmm. Um, so with how big the fire was and how quick it like grew, mm-hmm. they knew that there's a very likely chance an accelerant was used. Mm-hmm. Um, so detectives then get a lead. One of the neighbors who left the party, because, you know, neighbors would come and like, you know, Merry Christmas and all of that. And it's a party. Mm -hmm. And they did it every year. So, um, and they were close to the neighbors. Uh, So one of the neighbors said that they saw a small blue car drive off down a dead end street around 1145 p.m. with their lights off. So an APB is put out immediately for a blue Dodge Caliber. So then at 310 a.m., so this is early Christmas morning hours, you know, because mm-hmm. this happened late around like 1145. Let's just say midnight. Yeah. That's a few hours later. Um, in Silmar, California, this is 40 miles away or 64 kilometers. Is it kilometers or kilometers? What am I saying wrong? My it's brain a tomato, tomato. Okay. I my think brain in, doesn't want to work today. I think in Britain they say kilometers. Yeah. So it's kilometers, pronunci- kilometers, whatever. Yeah. So 40 miles away or 64 kilometers away, 44-year-old Brad Pardo comes home from a Christmas party and sees that his front door is unlocked. Beep. When he opens the door, he finds his brother, 45-year-old Bruce Pardo, lying in a pool of blood in his living room. Oh, no. So he immediately calls 911. Police show up. And it was discovered that he had died from a single gunshot wound with a nine millimeter handgun that went like through his head. A nine millimeter is laying on his lap, but then they find another nine millimeter like nearby. So hmm. they're like, what? They're, like there's two guns, there's damage on the walls, and there's a bullet hole in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking maybe there's two people, but then we just had this other shooting. But with the fire, are they connected? Yeah. It's just weird that like, but... 
there's really no connection other than like two shootings in one night you know mm-hmm. very kind of in close proximity so and unfortunately during holidays people go nuts because yeah. you know depression and those kinds of things mm-hmm. take over so on christmas morning obviously they're still investigating this mm-hmm. there was very little of the house left it okay. was like barely anything neighbors were stopping by to pay respects to the family and like this is on christmas morning yeah and this whole family is like devastated because nine members of their family are missing probably gone in this fire Mm -hmm. or shot so detectives actually had to wait for the entire scene to be cleared by firefighters and you know and cooled down it was still hot yeah um before they could just go in and start looking around so the nine missing were believed to be in the remains of this house. And this included Alice and Joseph, their two sons, two daughters-in-law, two of their daughters, oh, no. and one of their grandkids. Oh, no. So the coroner's office was called to help and the special operations response team was brought in. And there were multiple other people from different departments, such as like photographers, criminalists. You got a lot of people on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Bodies were slowly being recovered from the scene, um, but they were not identifiable. So they had to wait for dental x-rays in order to um, identify them. All the bodies were severely burned, and it appeared that this crime was intentional Mm -hmm. and that they were targeted. So back in Silmar, they're still investigating these two cases. So back in Silmar, they talked to Brad Pardo about his brother who was killed. So his brother knew that, like okay, well, he was murdered, but I don't know who would do this. Um, Bruce had actually just worked with computers. He had a bachelor's degree in computer science, and he worked for a couple different companies, and he actually had clearance to work on government contracts. Hmm. So he actually worked at the Jet Propulsion Factory, which was a NASA NASA facility. That's cool. Yeah, so he had a good job. Four years prior to this murder, he started dating a woman named Sylvia Ortiz, and they fell in love and got married in 2005 and moved to Montrose, California, along with her three children. So earlier in the year of of his murder, um, he um, had gotten a knee injury and he had to get surgery and this put him like out so he started to gain weight he was really lazy Mm -hmm. and this put a strain on bruce and sylvia's relationship and eventually it got so bad that sylvia moved out in march 2008 and the divorce was finalized on december 17th so he had just gone through this divorce Mm -hmm. what is up with these christmas divorces i know i know i (laughs) wanted to say something on your last one and i was like oh my gosh my next one has a divorce too (laughs) um so detectives are still wondering if they're connected so they look at sylvia and see that her last name before marrying bruce was ortiz her maiden name was ortega so when the connection was made bruce's ex-wife was sylvia ortega oopsie yeah one of the daughters yeah joseph and alice's daughter like it's Mm -hmm. their daughter sylvia and she was one of the people killed on christmas eve yeah so detectives are then looking to further connect these two cases since they know they now have a total of 10 victims, you know, mm-hmm. if it's him and then them. So it's like somebody's targeting this family, yeah. these members. What is going on? So each one of the victims had been shot with a nine millimeter handgun. And more information is now coming out about that night. Apparently, it was completely normal for Santa to show up at the Christmas Eve party. There were years that they had their neighbor show up dressed as Santa for the kids. And this neighbor's name is Pat. And he would like show up as Santa, give little gifts out to the kids and stuff. This was normal. They always had a Christmas Eve party. Santa always showed so up. They knew so that. she's thinking like, Yay! Santa. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, I have chills even thinking That's about so it. so sad. So the Talk na- about um, premeditated. Yeah. So he obviously his question. They were like, did you show up that year? And he's like, no, I actually haven't played Santa for the past few years because I like moved away. So he was ruled out like as a suspect because he wasn't even there. Um, So like you said, they knew this fact is very interesting. They knew this fact and they knew the family would be up late partying, doing their Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve thing. So detectives finally get a chance to talk to Letitia, whose daughter was shot. She lets them know that her daughter who had been shot is going to be okay. The gunshot like entered into the, excuse me, the side of her mouth 
And so she may basically had some cosmetic damage, but mm-hmm. she was going to be fine. It was not life threatening. So Letitia then tells detectives that she thinks she knows who the shooter was, even though the person was in a Santa disguise. Uh oh. She said she believes the shooter is her sister's ex husband, <laughs> Bruce Pardo. Uh oh. So none of this made sense because they're like, well, Bruce is potentially murdered. There were two. Mm-hmm. There was a struggle. Something. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looked like well, not like he just sat down and shot himself. Yeah. You know? So it's like, well, there's another gun. There's Unless he had to think about it for a and... while and just shot all over the room. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, this doesn't make sense. So they decide, okay, we're gonna take his keys and mm-hmm. walk around the neighborhood to see if we can find his car. Yeah. The key fob unlocks none other than a blue Dodge Caliber, the same car that they had put an APB out for. Yeah. Um, inside the car. They find the Santa, Santa suit, suit. <laughs> and tons of ammunition. Jeez. So when detectives go to take out the Santa suit, it's booby trapped with a flare <laughs> and it immediately goes off and basically like exploded the car and burned it all up with all the evidence. Oh my God. Yeah. So with all of that's me, not funny, but no, that's it's fucking imagine crazy. being on that scene. Yeah. And not only that, with all the ammunition in the car. All that ammunition is going off. So boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know. That's insane. So there's bullets going off. Entire car is in flames. Right. So they have to put that out. But thankfully, protocol for gathering evidence is to photograph first mm-hmm. before you touch anything. You don't right. touch anything until you photograph it. Mm-hmm. That's like drilled in your brain when you go through like, because I went through masters for forensic science. And so that is like, what do you do first? You photograph. You photograph all the evidence. Um so they have all these pictures. So you have the picture of the Santa suit. You have the picture of the car. You have the picture of the ammunition. Mm-hmm. But um, but all the evidence is unfortunately destroyed. So then um, Bruce's autopsy and co- toxicology came back. An autopsy showed that Bruce Pardo had gunshot residue on his hands as well as his clothes from firing a weapon. Mm-hmm. After examining his body further, it was determined that Bruce had committed suicide. So what a bitch. It, yeah. So, uh, it gets worse. So, obviously, now we know there's no second shooter at the scene. It was him. Mm-hmm. And there was evidence on his body that connected him to the Ortega family massacre. There were burns found on his hands and arms. He had third degree burns, but he also had red and white material that was burned into his pants <laughs> and also parts of the Santa suit that melted onto his body. Good. <laughs> yeah. Idiot. So, uh, the polyester. So that means yeah. it was like hard plastic. All so peely. he had horrible burns all over him. <laughs> so when he tried to pull it off, it probably mm-hmm. ripped his skin off. Good. So on December 26th, this is the day after Christmas, 2008, mm-hmm. a report came in about a RAV4 that had been parked in front of this person's house in Pasadena, yeah. California for a while. So they run the license plate and see that it is a rental car that was rented out to Bruce Pardo. Oh, this car, thankfully, wasn't booby-trapped, but there was a ton of stuff inside it. It had compu- his computer tower, clothes, water, food, and maps, and it looked like he planned to go switch cars, you know, get in that rental car and flee to Mexico, because he had maps that, like, leading to Mexico. But he was all bummed up and messed up, so he knew he wasn't going to get away mm-hmm. with it. Mm. So the rental car was parked about, like, 500 feet from Scott Nord's house. Mm-hmm. So who is Scott Nord? He's Sylvia's divorce attorney. Oh, Mm-hmm. Oh. So they're Wait, wondering to kill him too? if he planned to do something to the divorce attorney yeah. before leaving to Mexico. And that would be his whole family. Mm-hmm. You know, him and his whole family. Like, who's to say he wouldn't massacre that whole family after he just tried to kill Sylvia's whole family? Yeah. So, um, he t- so detectives then interview Scott Nord. He tells them that Bruce's tax returns were the last straw. She saw that he had listed a dependent on his taxes. Oh. Turns out he had a child with a woman named Elena three years before he met Sylvia. Oh. They were living together and had a baby boy named Matthew. Then on January, in January 20, uh, sorry, not 21, (laughs) 2001, Uh Matthew was 13 months old and Bruce was home with Matthew watching him while Elena like went to the store, did errands. And when she came back from the store, Bruce was in the same spot he was when she left and just in front of the TV. So they went looking for Matthew and found him in the pool. Oh. Yeah. 13 months old. He survived, but he was never the same because of the oxygen deprivation. So he was left in an almost like vegetative state and wheelchair bound Mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. 
So when Matthew's assholes claiming him on taxes. Yep. Oh my god. So when Matthew didn't get better and it was clear that he wasn't going to get better, uh, Bruce left. And Elena never heard from him again. <gasps> mm-hmm. He just left. And he still claimed him on taxes. Yeah. How messed up is that? Uh, so he decided to just pay child support and claim him as a dependent. So he did, I guess, pay. I don't know if he was consistent like secret, with it. A but secret, it's a secret obviously. child. Yeah. yeah. So um, Sylvia obviously didn't know about this. So she's upset about this whole thing. That mm-hmm. would be the last straw for me, too. Oh, I'm like, yeah. you got a kid and you just left after you, you like. Not even. I didn't even know the truth. But not only that, you're like a bum. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's exactly. your fault in a theory. And they're have traumatic a traumatic brain injury forever like yeah come on. it's like that how could you do that to your own child it was on his watch and then he just leaves because exactly. it's like eh, okay it's not gonna get better i'm out of here so that wasn't the only lie that bruce was hiding though in july his it boss never is. no in july his po- his boss is at itt electronics systems found out that bruce had been fraudulently billing clients for hours he ne- never worked oh no so he was fired yeah. So everything that year was like obviously compounded, like compounded. His wife left him. He got fired. Mm-hmm. Then the divorce was finalized. And so it's clear that he was trying to get back at Sylvia for leaving him. So yeah. police then look at what was going on the days before on like days before the murders. They go to his house in Montrose. And when they show up, they see his house all decorated for Christmas. Mm-hmm. This was a little weird. Like he's by himself. It looked like he was excited for Christmas. Mm-hmm. He's probably been planning this for a long time. Yeah. At the house, they found the boxes for the guns, ammunition, black powder, bomb making materials, even wrapping paper that was found at the crime scene. They took his computer and they could see that there were clear plans to this crime. In the backyard, there was a studio, like a shed thing. Mm-hmm. And inside, this is where it gets really weird. They find hoses that were cut and valves just sitting on a workbench. And they can see that he had taken the motor off of like a spray a spray device and put a CO2 canister on top. And so it looked like he had just designed like a, a way to spread flammable liquid. Okay. So, so uh, excuse me. <clears throat> now detectives- We're all kind of sick, by the way, <laughs> yeah, and kind of, kind of allergy ridden. Yeah, it's, it's hard. So <laughs> now they're like starting to piece together what happened. So yeah, Bruce Pardo gets a rental car, fills it up with his supplies. He then parks the rental car on Sylvia's attorney's street, then gets dressed up in the Santa suit and leaves his house probably around 1045 to go to Sylvia's family's house. He was obviously aware of the fact that the neighbor would always go to the house dressed as Santa because he's obviously gone to Christmases there Mm -hmm. or Christmas Eve's. So that's the reason behind the Santa suit. He knew they were going to open the door for him. Santa, you know, a Mm -hmm. kid's going to open the door. He then wheeled this compressor that he had made that was wrapped like a present up to the front door. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So it looks like he's got a big box of presents. Sick. Rings the doorbell. Um, Katrina opens the door, little eight-year-old Katrina. And And she's the one that only got a bullet through the mouth. because he shot her in the face first. Um, So one of the... uh, the witnesses said that he noticed that Santa was wearing shooting glasses, which was like weird. <laughs> Protect his eyes. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. And so he said that Santa then came into the house and put down the presents and then reached into both pockets and pulled out two guns and started shooting. And like I said, the first person to be shot was eight year old Katrina yeah. when she opened the door. He then shot James and Charles, Sylvia's brothers. Mm hmm. He then shoots Sylvia and both of her parents. Everyone is, you know, freaking out. Letitia was able to run and grab her daughter who got mm-hmm. shot in the face yeah. and run out the front door. And like I said, they went over to the neighbor's house and called 911. The shooting continued. Alice was killed. Then James's wife, Teresa, and Charles' wife, Sherry. Everyone's scrambling. When he was out of ammunition, he then wheeled the big present further into the house and one of the canisters was filled with pressurized oxygen and the other was filled with high octane fuel. He then doused the house with 18 gallons of fuel. So fine spray, you know, all oh over the gosh. house. It created a mist. But <laughs> Which means the air was literally flammable. He had, too. Yes. So he had road flares in a Santa suit that he was going to use to like throw into the house to burn it down. <laughs> However... There was an open flame in the house. A candle. Fucking idiot. So 
when the fuel hit the flames, the open flame, probably a candle, a, you exactly. know, scented candle, Christmas candle, or Christmas something. candle, the whole <laughs> house went up in flames. He was not expecting that. So um, that is why he was so burned. He was yeah. not expecting he was expecting to cause the fire not fire's already there and you just like put fuel on the fire literally yeah maybe he should have scanned the situation first (sighs) yeah well so (sighs) yeah so (laughs) unfortunately 17 year old michael ortiz was upstairs on the computer and he was killed as a result of the fire so he couldn't get out yeah um he was not shot at least three of the victims died from their gunshot wounds four died from fire and gunshot wounds and the fire itself caused two casualties so instead of going to his rental car and fleeing bruce instead drives to his brother's house now keep in mind he is severely burned with third degree burns Mm -hmm. and part of the santa suit is melted into his body yeah it'd be like being tarred and feathered the polyester would melt into his thick plastic and yeah all all over his arms just you couldn't rip it off it would pull all your skin to the Mm -hmm. and so he knows like this he's probably in incredible horrible pain. pain yeah so um that's probably why he just decided to kill himself but if everything had gone according to bruce's plan at least 30 people would have been dead that would include the entire he was Ortega so family. close to getting if he didn't fuck up and light himself mm-hmm. on fire he probably would have gotten away yeah with it. he would have if he if it wasn't for those meddling flames if it went according to his plan all mm-hmm. 25 of those family members would be dead and then the attorney's family which would be like five more people that would, that would be a lot of people mm-hmm. um and thankfully that you know plan failed and he's dead and other people survived but seriously the very last one i did too they killed themselves it's like you can't even be man yeah. enough to face what you did mm-hmm. yeah it is it's crazy how so similar ridiculous. that <laughs> happened with divorce and mm-hmm. going christmas divorces and, and not yeah. not uh taking ownership for your them no i mean it wasn't a mistake you chose you made decisions yeah so i think the um the scuff marks on the wall or whatever is he's probably flail like freaking out doesn't know what to do the gunshot wound or the wound the he's gunshot in, in the ceiling is probably like i don't want to do this but then sure. just like i just got to do it i gotta yeah. put myself out of yeah. misery maybe the moment he lifted his arm he's probably like Wah! yeah he's probably hurt i mean because the thing is too is like most of us if you've used a hot glue gun think of the same oh, thing yeah. that plastic is gonna melt down that's all it is is polymer it's gonna melt down and as soon as it gets rock hard it is solid and mm-hmm. it doesn't take that long and the no. amount of time it takes him to leave the house that he started the crime at even to go um, winter yeah he even here like southern california california is pretty warm but yeah hitting that and cold air so. yeah hitting that cold air it's gonna solidify yeah. it was probably cracking and rip good yeah i know that's what i was like good Whatever. i'm so glad that he's his last moment it is kind of fear and misery and that's what gives me comfort to yeah. know and i'm sure the family too good i'm glad he suffered mm-hmm. in his last moments but i would A still lot. be mad that like oh, for sure that's so sad and gross yeah but yeah so <laughs> that and it's crazy because that happened not too long ago so it's like no. wow that mm. yeah and it's close enough by us it's probably a good hour drive or so um but yeah so an asshole yeah i thought oh well i'll do a christmas one but christmas. it's not very christmas the stay safe <laughs> yeah seriously the the interesting thing too is like in hispanic culture like i wasn't raised like folk folk catholic or anything but i was mm-hmm. raised um pretty roman catholic and um for some reason uh you celebrate on christmas eve yeah and then because you go to church at midnight so you're awake mm-hmm. late so you, it's pretty i typical. know because i'm like why are they up so late but yeah I'm like, you go to church us. midnight mass yeah and um so you get like really dressed up and you go and then you're like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting there like oh god and you're like falling asleep because it's late lately it's yeah. super late because you're literally like it's jesus birthday today uh-huh. like go immediately so you spend like the first couple hours in church Ugh, and then so glad i don't yeah we <laughs> um like we would pretty much because like one of the things we've talked about before is like the um our husbands are always working they mm-hmm. work through the pandemic as essential workers mm-hmm. um and never uh, took a they, day off until yeah we got covid yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like um the like for us luckily um our holidays are pretty together we're always together mm-hmm. um but like i grew up with my dad working for the Oregon Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. And um, so on 
all the holidays he was typically working because yeah. his job was to weigh the semi trucks that come through. They have to stop at the weigh scale because if they are lopsided in weight, it's a danger for toppling over, mm-hmm. fishtailing, they break check, all those types of things. So there were many a holiday that we were like chomping at the bit waiting for dad to get home uh-huh. from work thanksgiving christmas eve and usually his friends at work were so sweet because they were older um like for our age range our dads are on the older end yeah. they're both in their 70s uh-huh. and so his friends were older than that and so they had grown kids and so mm-hmm. they were like you still have young kids at home they were typically really cool and would like swap the yeah. the days but there were some moments where it's like seven, eight o'clock at night and we're waiting for dad to come home. And it was like, OK, we can open one present, but then we only have a little bit of time. And then we got to go to church. I think by the time I was like nine, we were just like, fuck. It. <laughs> yeah, we, we just do Christmas, hard. Christmas Eve with family and then Christmas Day here. And then Jack's dad comes over. Yeah. On Christmas Day. Yeah, it's the same for us, too. We like we now hang out together and our kids do our presents mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve and we hang out. And I would really like to get some crafts again for the kids like I did for Halloween and have a bunch of craft stuff planned for that for Christmas Eve that'd be fun because like the Uh build up is such a pain in the ass and they're like I want to do this and I want to do this Mm -hmm. and see if you keep them busy as long as possible I have a big roll I should take out I'll probably take it out next weekend when we put up all our Christmas decorations I have a big roll of Christmas coloring paper it's like a roll and so it's like a bunch of big pictures so we'll do that and then I have a um, Mickey and Minnie puzzle Oh, cute. Is it like Christmas? Uh huh. Remember last Christmas when um, I helped you with the elf one. Yeah, and we just did our diamond um, art, and then I had the elf puzzle. You built my Disney, my Disneyland old school map, and then I got the office puzzle. Yeah. So I did three puzzles. Mm -hmm. I helped. (laughs) Yes, you did. And then we did some diamond art to break it up, and yeah. And then we got addicted till my arm stopped working. Yeah. And now like I'm on a lull and I feel bad. But again, it's like the stuff we tell ourselves is just like, well, it's out of the sun. It's not going to go bad. It's yeah. still there. Yeah. And like worst case scenario, you can just like re-sticky the sheets. Yeah. I mean, we keep them forever or we just throw them in the trash. <laughs> it's hard. It's it like is. you like got to just put it in the cheapest frame possible and just donate it and yeah. somebody, or give it away leave it at someone's doorstep yeah and they're like what the well, hell i had this? hung up the ones in lincoln lily's room and then it got all ruined mm-hmm. and half the diamonds are off of it so i gave my mom the dumbo that we worked on for that mother's day uh-huh. it's in her craft room she hasn't hung it up yet mm-hmm. but it's so cute i love it oh my god sorry i know it's we've been battling colds and tired it's just a lot so. <laughs> it is a lot but we're working so hard we are so everyone stay safe on your Christmas celebration month. Don't trust Santa. Yeah. Don't trust Santa. (laughs) Yeah. Don't open your door to Santa. Or carolers. Do people still do that? No. I don't think Mm. so. Not here anyway. That's dangerous around here. It is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, with that, stay crafty. And not cry me. Bye. Bye.